Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. Um, tonight, you're joined by everyone's favorite, Curry Kitten. Hello. Cole. Howdy. Stephen. Hello. And I'm Jack, Bright Until I Fly. Hello. And let's start the show. First I, thing I... we should discuss is Cole's two-tone head, which I... I now you, <laughs> once you see it, you can't unsee it. Oh, what the weird... Wow. Yeah, what's that about? Is that wearing a hat? Yeah, long story short, <clears throat> I went to a race car sort of event thing, and I decided to wear my hat backwards on a bright day. Great idea. <laughs> I was thinking, did you have some kind of bandana or something going on there? It's hard to visualize. Yeah. Uh, no, it was just, uh, I don't have a hat handy to show you, but no, it was just uh, just me being being silly and not really realizing I should wear my hat the right way. <laughs> Trouble yeah. is, it would get in the way of the camera, wouldn't it? It would, yeah, yeah. It's what you do for your art. Yeah, you know, got to get these uh, sunburns. It's all all for the greater good. <laughs> Has anyone been flying this week? A little bit, yeah. I oh, haven't flown this packs. week, unfortunately, no. Uh, Stephen, what, what have you been flying then? Tell us what's going well, oh, I'm trying to remember what the heck I was flying now. I think I got my little analog doodars out and started flying them. Oh, yeah, I flew something... Yeah, I decided to fly analog to remember what it was like in the bad old days. I got this Gep RC Phoenix 2.5 out, which I thought was a rip roaring monster of a quad when I got it. It's a 4S 2.5 inch with 4,500 kV motors or the power and um, hard mounted stack. Uh, and apparently, very little in the way of separation between the video feed and the ESC. It it was uh it was fun. And then I, I looked I, f- I flew this back to back with a two and a half inch that I built myself and thought, yeah, I am pretty good at building quads. I was quite happy with my building skills after this. Cause it uh it it was fuzzy and horrific. It was interesting because I remember flying this and being astounded by the speed back in the day because I started on micros. I didn't start on five inch. So this was, yeah, brought back some memories, but not necessarily good memories when you compare it to newer builds. So you do you do seem a bit of a digital snob. So what made you go back and try some analog to remember the bad old days? I've just got so much of it kicking around. I mean, you think, oh, digital snobby. He's just got digital. Got this. Oh, I think I've got this little guy, which is quite fun. Um, I've been kind of getting them out. I've got one of these little carbon fiber antennas, and I just felt like revisiting some of the lighter quads because I do like digital, but I don't really think you can do digital on anything less than a three inch, and you have to kind of really go light to get it down to a three inch. It's it's kind of it's a bit of a compromise and uh yeah i just felt like flying some of the smaller park flyer builds so i put a jammed an elrs in here which used to have an fr sky it's a terrible build like the fc is touching the top plate and the amount of force required to get the receiver in there and put the top plate on means the top plate is bulging slightly in the middle it's really not ideal it flies surprisingly mm. well considering all that pain that i've put it through um yeah i just felt like monkeying around a bit with some of them for the sake of old time has anyone else done anything this week no i was just going to say though you say you can't get under sort of three inches for digital but i did notice um appearing on my youtube feed today although i haven't looked at them is the hd zero whoop light kit 
Did anybody notice that, or has anybody watched them? No, I haven't. I think yeah, Painless I looked at one, Mad Tech looked at one. I just haven't watched them. You you can do it. I think HD Zero is a very different proposition. You can definitely do it a bit lighter. It's just you have to compromise a bit. Like, for instance, you can put DJI on a two and a half inch. That was my first DJI quad. You see that huge gap in the chassis? It's because that's designed for a full-size air unit on two and a half inch props. Wow. And it, it flies like a whale on a go-kart. It's awful. <laughs> um, it's got these fancy LEDs to make you think it's high-tech and cool. So they flash and quite a lot of LEDs on top. But it flew absolute pants. Um, so, yeah, the, the Whoop VTX is nice. You get a very small camera. You get like a board camera. Instead of a camera that has a molded metal housing, you've just got the PCB, which is a nice touch, right? So just flat and little lens on yeah. the front kind of thing? <laughs> the same thing you see on Whoops, basically, where you you dispense with yes. the camera housing with the bolts in the side. I did also notice that Betaflight finally put out RC7, and fix the issue with um, with the ICM twenty six eight nine gyros, where they're gyros, worried yeah. that that it might brick some of your gyros. So I started mm. to get out my rare and weirder builds, like this Recon five, and I upgraded that because that that was with the affected gyro. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's still yours. It still registers your movement. So off to a good start there. Probably flies like pants, but it's always been a bit of a pain. This. Is it because like they're waiting on the new, you know, having to switch over to different gyros? Yeah, the, the MPU six thousand's been basically end of life since forever, and people started to migrate to what they thought were newer gyros that they should be using, and some of them moved to BMI two seventy and the MPU six thousand. You could sample at eight k. The BMI two seventy apparently you can only sample at three point two k, which just throws off air, all the timings inside the FC. And this week, they've been debugging these issues, and they reached out to TDK, who makes the gyros. And TDK have been like, "Well, why the hell are you using that? That's that's not the right one to use." <laughs> so they've got these thousands of FCs that manufacturers have made out in the wild, and it turns out that the vendors just kind of. We're throwing darts at the product sheet for gyros. <laughs> and they went to TDK, who are completely befuddled as to why anyone would have used that particular model. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so I think we're, we're starting to see some, some interesting guidance coming out of the Betaflight team where they are looking to take the initiative and rather than wait for board manufacturers to make any old stuff and they have to deal with it, they're going to get out ahead of it and start to actually recommend the chips that should be used and talk to the people who make gyros and, and try and narrow down what is a good gyro ahead of time. Because otherwise, they, they've got to cope with a fallout of a half dozen different gyros, and none of which quite work properly. Hmm. Oh, man. And that's all still in the testing stage, or is this an, a release... It is a release candidate, isn't it? It's not an official release. Oh, yeah, they're on RC7 now. And okay. RC7, they changed a bunch of stuff with GPS by the sound of it. There's almost enough work that GPS, that they were talking about putting it into the 4.4 release because as far as they're concerned, well, some people are saying that the amount of GPS fixes actually warrant it being a major update, not just an RC. RCs are supposed to be... Everything broadly works. You just fix the the features that you intended to put in at the start. Whereas the GPS uh, return to home behavior is going to be a lot more polished. Like it's not just they removed some bugs. It it handles everything completely differently from what I can hear. Um, to the point where it actually just it does it doesn't bounce anymore. It'll land and disarm smoothly. The old return to home if it did land it would like bounce around like a lunatic and maybe like flip itself over and do lord knows what and now apparently it's incredibly polished so i'm looking forward to actually trying that out i've never really been brave enough to to try the return to home combination of not being brave enough and, and never wanting to pre prevent myself from arming without the gps lock so i'd just be like oh, i won't use return to home i'll just use it as a speedo because I've, are we talking I'm about patient enough here? to wait? Yeah. In, in yeah. So they've got an actual return to home because previously yeah. rescue mode was I'm going to crash at, basically mm -hmm. at you. 
pilot aimed quad was pretty much what you were talking about yeah. before, right? So they're now coming up with the basis of it will attempt to land and disarm. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Well, it was world, always huh? possible. It, the the problem it it just didn't know which way it was facing, but you could determine that by going in a forwards manner and determining it from what happens on the GPS coordinates, couldn't you? It's just somebody had to get around to actually writing that. Yeah, apparently um, Chris Thompson has done a, a lot of work now. CT Snooze. He's put a ton of work in there, and it's looking really promising. And there's talk in the next release of uh, altitude hold and things as well. So remember when Tommy was on and he was saying, oh, all these pilots, they really love beta flight, but they are absolutely crapping themselves because they've got $20,000 of camera in the air. And if they fly under a bridge and it, you know, loses signal, they don't necessarily want GPS return to home where it flies up into the underside of a bridge or something. They want it just to stay there until you get signal back. Well, that's going to be implemented by the sound of it, which is very promising. So it will oh, just hold itself at an altitude uh, and not try and fly back to the pilot. Just be like, oh, no signal. Well, I guess I'll stay here until I get signal again. Which I think that's pretty much very similar to what the like the DJI FPV drone does. I, I saw a guy uh, post a video recently where he, I guess, fail-safed. And then but his, his quad will just, just hover basically in, on, on the spot. So that's kind of cool. Just yeah. extra safety features, right? Yeah, you do. You do run into these guys who have like returned to home, and they've got a problem with their transmitter, and all it does is fly back to them and torment them, and they have to stay there and wait for it to crash and fall out, or fall out of the sky. Yeah, stays fifty like, foot in the sky and meanders round, approaching the nearby trees, just yeah. daring them. Yeah, just imagine people running around with their hands out just for when it's going to go. And hope the props aren't still spinning. <laughs> God, yeah, it'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. What's a finger or two? I'm still a bit scared to try the seven inch. I had this prop resonance issue, and I found that HQ make macro quad props, right? Where they're mm. carbon fiber ones instead of polycarbonate. They're a carbon fiber reinforced resin. And mm. um, I'm pretty sure it's going to stop the props flexing, but I'm slightly terrified to try it out because the props now look kind of scythe-like and dangerous. And um, I, want to, I want a much larger space to try it out, I think. Basically put yeah. a bunch of knives on your quad. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit scary. That's the problem with the old carbon fibre-like props. They, they, they were... I remember the back in the day, the injuries from them were like nothing else. Mm. Well, even mm. just the, the regular <laughs> props that I use, <clears throat> when I have to you know swap, swap them out or anything, my fingers get cut up from having to hold on to them tight enough to get the, you know, just to get the nut off. Oh, we, we all suffer from baby engineer hands, don't we? Too much time <laughs> yeah. indoors. I, I get so much stick. I want to help my wife out in the garden. I've got the strength to lift stuff, but I've got like baby engineer hands. So I give <laughs> myself a, a blister in like five minutes doing any like real work. Uh, <laughs> uh, what what oh, else uh, is? Goodies. Exceedingly mm. cheap value goodies. Have you heard of uh, ProDrone? Can't say I have. No. They're, they're a bunch of Polish guys and they make these uh, these dipoles, right? So it's a folded dipole. So you've got, you know, the core of the coax going one way and the shielding going the other way. And they hand make these and tune them. And uh, I think this is 70 Polish zloty, uh, which roughly translates into sweet nothing in, in English money. And, uh, half a sausage roll. Uh, yeah, half a sausage roll. They're a really nice bunch of people. It came with an absolute ton of those little nuts, the little plastic 3D printed nuts that you put on S SMA antennas. Oh, the the spinners. Yeah. I'm going to see what, how much is 70s Lottie in pounds. Uh, yeah, it was, I think it. That's a fair point. the whole thing was like 13 quid for a couple of them. It wasn't very much. They were like five or six quid per per antenna for a handmade antenna is nothing and they seem really solidly made so i've replaced my dodgy fr sky antennas with those um 
cool. Yeah, I, I had a buddy like pop round last night, so I, I uh, gave him a plane and had a look through some of the old flying footage. Yeah, I keep my planes up there, uh-huh. so I've got a, I've still got to finish one and. Uh, hopefully I'll get out and fly soon. There's just no no one around down here to fly with. I suppose I could, you know, give a few people a shout, but yeah, it's pretty quiet. I, I should point out, there weren't 70s Lottie each. There were 25s Lottie each. There were 70s Lottie for two of them and postage. So, yeah, it was pretty cheap. I can pull out MMX connectors with my bare hands. Don't mess with shady lads. He can he can twist your nipples right off. Caroline, I know. Jack's looking up at my my bottom, my fanny, as you guys would say. Is that right? No, that's, no, that's the front bottom for a lady. Oh yeah. shoot! Well, then us Canadians say it wrong. Then interesting. Yeah, and the Yanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we call it a bum bag. Or a, a fanny, fanny pack. pack. Oh. Mm, no. Interesting. Mm. So that's a that's a no-no. It, it, it's what is your shirt? Oh, it's shirt? A, just a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, party, party, Stephen. I know. Cole's wearing a gym <laughs> shark, shark shirt by the looks of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like working out, it's super fit stuff. What have you been up to, Jack? Doing any uh, soldering? Any projects this week? No, like my bench is still absolutely a tip. Uh, I've been, I've been mainly doing a bit of 3D printing and retro video gaming. So what's that? Uh, Raspberry Pi uh, Model mm. B3. So printed like a nice little, little case for it. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, what do you I, run on I, that? Uh, I was I, retro pie, so oh, I've been right. playing some old school. The thing is, I'm I'm waiting for the operation. I'm, you know, I've I've had to come off my meds, so I'm not very well, so I can't really get out. And I was supposed to be with Frank at EMF this week, but not wanting to get COVID. Um, I'm just having to like sit out really, which sucks because I paid money for an Airbnb and a electromagnetic field ticket. So Frank's off for having the time of his life. So if um if you're looking at something to tinker with on the Pi, I totally recommend Batocera, which is this Linux distro that includes a ton of different emulators with a nice front end and it. It's designed to plug into a TV or like a little handheld yeah. console. It looks really, really nice. I've, I'm running that on a couple of boxes around the house. I used to run it on a high-powered PC, and it, it would do everything from the really, really ancient consoles like uh, original Nintendo stuff all the way up to PS3. And it just puts everything under one roof, which is kind of nice. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, Tailspin, you failed at the... It is a bit of a weird one, the old retro pie, but you just kind of put the ROMs, you kind of get the, you like plug in a, a USB and then it sort of like generates a root directory with like loads of different consoles on and then you put mm. the ROMs in that and then it will load the ROMs off the USB, which I thought was an all right way to do do it but it was a bit weird it's a front end for emulation station isn't it most of these are emulation station under the hood yeah send me the link to the yeah i popped it in the youtube chat thanks put it in yeah it's nice to tinker with with batocera like you get you get the same thing for raspberry pi and pc and a whole bunch of sbcs so you can have them on different bits of hardware and still have the same ui and same compatibility is quite nice. Anyway, this week on Emulation <coughs> Weekly. I know. Yeah, I just haven't haven't been able to, uh, you know, sort of like go out and go fly, which sucks. So I'm I'm having to live vicariously through other people. 
You know, I, I flew, uh, the last time that I flew, I mean, everything was all good. I was just doing some basic uh, maintenance on my quad because I crashed into a bunch of mud. So just like cleaning it up and getting the dirt off and whatnot. Well, I managed to rip the antenna like from the, I guess the insulation uh, for my VTX. And I had to uh, replace that, which was, you know, it's not that difficult, but it, yeah, it was just kind of annoying. And uh, yeah, so that was basically the only thing I've done in the past week quad related. What do you use for antenna? Um, just the uh, tramp uh, or the immersion RC stuff. Um, I'm, I actually have a couple sitting around. I don't know where they are right now, but I just got a pack of them. Oh, oh, sorry, antenna. What am I talking about? Um, I have, uh, I think I have like the TBS. Oh, you uh, mean you like ripped off the pigtail? I meant the pigtail. Yeah, I don't know why I said antenna. Oh, I meant right, pigtail. right. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Um, but antenna-wise, I'm just using the, um, what's the sort of standard TBS antenna? Um, what's the name of it now? Triumph, I think. Yeah. Oh, the OG orange ones that are kind of like four corners. They've got um, kind of four bumps around them. It is that, but it's the black version. So I'm not sure right, if that's right. like the, the black newer... ones are RHCP and the orange ones are LHCP. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right hand. I'm running right hand. Yeah, that was the old ones. I've got all orange because I'm DJI. Yeah, they work pretty well. Yeah. I, I've so far I've used the the menace um, the menace ones, the mad mushrooms from Video Aerial Systems. I've tried the triumphs and i mean yeah the triumph seems to be pretty good put one down what about the old the canadian bulletproof antenna have you tried these guys with the carbon fiber stem so i haven't tried that is it the matchstick one or that's the matchstick one yeah which yeah. is where they put this tube as a carbon fiber rod instead of a bit of insulation that they normally use so the only true rc antenna i've tried so far is um i can't remember the name of it but I, it was a, it was on like the sort of like lower end budget uh, version, so I I probably should have spent a little bit more and got the, the the sort of higher end one, but I wasn't that impressed. But again, it was a really cheap one, so yeah. Someone someone was raving about them, so I thought I'd give it a shot. I've just got the one. So far, I haven't broken it, but I've only flown it once. We'll see. Yeah. Hasn't Curry got some cool hardware that he's been checking out? You've gone all uh, iFlight seven inch crazy. Yeah, although that was weeks ago I flew that. That was the uh, Chimera 7. Uh, I just managed to get round to actually um, doing the last bit of the video for it this week because I was feeling rough and I was going to fly it some more. And then I thought, I don't know when I'm going to fly again. I'm just going to put the video out. But yeah, that was good fun. It was a nice... It's like the old days of quads when you pick it up and you says, whoa, this is heavy. But <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it was a good cruising platform. And because it's so big, so long, and has plates and you can put the batteries on top or underneath basically i got it so i could replace it some bits with open hd so it's got plenty of room to put the pi zero in and the wi-fi adapter and the digital camera so that should be my my replacement quad build for open hd basically which sounds which sounds weird to talk about I, only like a month ago it was there was dji there's possibly this thing called hd zero and now I can't look at my YouTube feed without seeing the latest speculation video about what Walk, Walk Snail will have or what the new DJI goggles will bring because nobody knows. And I'm sure Fat Shark are just loving everybody yeah. just speculating nonstop about it. They could yeah. very easily uh, clear up any rumors with some actual facts, but they, I'm sure they're loving the fact that people have talked about this. I'm nonstop sure they're loving the press, now. but. Asking people to plonk down $700 for a pre-order doesn't seem to be helping them any because uh, <laughs> it turns out that Flywheel were asking $2 for a pre-order. So a lot of people have just gone and ordered the Flywheel ones and been like, oh, maybe I'll wait another month after Fat Shark, whatever. But, you know, it's a lot less than 700 It's big money. That's the thing. Everything is going to be big money for quite mm -hmm. a while. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what. Yep. I went. I went looking for flight controllers, just uh, idly wondering. There's a couple of old units where I thought I needed to upgrade. There's one that I really want to fly. 
this guy, which is a four inch that I built a long time ago and I couldn't get it working properly. And it's got one of these pin connected FC and ESCs, which I've always suspected was a death trap. This is the only quad I've actually fitted a beeper onto, like a, a battery powered beeper. Um, and I want to fly it, but every time I fly it, it tries to fly away. And it just kind of one one time it just went bananas, and I thought I'd lost it, and I had to go hunting for it. It just took off, and yeah, I, I God knows what was up with it. So I'm looking to replace it, but all the um the nice H7 FCs seem to have dried up, and get a Matek, but nothing else, and ESCs seem to have just started to cost the earth all of a sudden. A little bit Everything worried. Cost too much. I did. Yeah, wanna... it's getting stupid. The last month. Yeah, I did want to pick up. Me and you had a, a, a quick conversation a, a couple of days ago, and I thought it'd be interesting to to put this out there to uh, our, our viewers at the moment because it's about the the new open source ESCs uh, you were talking to a vendor about, and they're, they're starting mm. to talk about getting the very first one out. And I've I've already forgotten the name of it because I'm got to. It was AM thirty two, and AM32. it's coming out from Sky Stars. Um, yeah, they they tweaked uh, an earlier ESC. They had a 55 amp 4M1, and they're releasing it with AM32 pre-flashed, which is nice because if you flash it yourself, you're dealing with kind of one mil pads, and they're not labeled. You have to kind of uh, I, I had to use a continuity checker and run down the, the pins to figure out which was the uh, the SWD and SWC pins, uh, and then get the ST link to and flash it, and that's a pain in the bottom. It's doable if you're patient and careful, but it's painful. So they're pre-flashing these. It sounds like they're manually pre-flashing them, and it's, uh, it seems to be a bit pricey. But as soon as that's on there, you're saying that one of the things you liked about that, I remember, is like you just get like a Chrome browser and you can do any yeah. changes and stuff to ESCs like that. Because I, I was interested in this because um, you were quite excited about it because there's BL Heli support on like Linux and anything that's not Windows is not very good. And my point yeah. of view was I'm just not sure how excited other people would be about it because I think messing around with ESCs is one of the things I do the least. I might do it on initial startup, and it's mainly because, oh, yeah, that one problem. needs reversing because, you know, you do the lottery about wiring motors up and it's like that one runs the wrong way. I was really interested to know if people got excited about this because I was like, oh, I mean, it's it's, it's good, there's, there's other things, but it's very rare that I'm flying a quad and I think, oh, man, this CSC is not right, unless, unless it's quite obviously very, very wrong. I, it's not something I fiddle with. What about you guys? Yeah, well, I, I run... Kissed and I, and the only variation I've had is um, the the ones that don't catch fire and the ones that do catch fire. Yeah, fet tech <laughs> basically. Yeah, I'm risking my life for the fet techs, and um, so much so that the I, I I was basically building a six inch quad, even though I've only really got maybe one. 6s battery which i've combined to um uh combined to uh tattoo 3s together which is uh not something i should really be emitting out loud exciting but yeah and just haven't really got the flight controller for it or another vtx so it just kind of stopped there. I've got the motors, I've got the Fetech ESC, um, but yeah, like there's no VGXs out there, and I've got a camera, and you know, just trying to get a, you know, either either buy, you know, either buy a. Um, you know, Kiss V2 fly controller or, you know, try and, uh, you know, trying to hold out for another, uh, 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 what are they, um, Kiss Ultra, Ultra or failing mm -hmm. that. It's like, you know, try my luck with the, the G3 or whatever the Fettech guys are calling the, 
you know the the, oh, the G4 yeah. Flight, yeah the G4 flight controller so yeah it's just I don't know I, I don't know I just kind of I, I put it on the back burner for uh, yeah I my my personal take on this is that BL Heli 32 while it was a step up from BL Heli S hasn't really gone anywhere and a lot of the features like the variable rpm and the by rpm stuff that tried to avoid harmonics those seem to have actually come from am32 and then been ported over to bl heli 32 uh, so i kind of think that the bl heli 32 project needs to kick up the bottom needs a bit of competition in the marketplace um you know people yeah. are still blowing escs current limiting doesn't seem to be delivering and and maybe just a bit of competition would help people by delivering an ESC that can actually do proper current limiting and could be a bit safer and, and maybe, you know, bring on the power a bit smoother. Just have a little bit of innovation in that space because when you've got one project and that project thinks it's essentially feature complete and it's done, you're not going to get innovation. Maybe they had a big whiteboard and it said, spin motors, tick, we're done. <laughs> it's essentially it, isn't it? It's like spin motors but there's like little subheadings like smoothly yeah so esc doesn't explode as yeah, yeah. to write down yeah it's um it was worrying with um what was it uh uh daniel from ah, let's play <laughs> dementia uh daniel from uh what what is his name you know the oh, really short intro outro <laughs> You know, uh, thanks for watching. Test Bye. flight, yeah, test flight. <laughs> I think is it test RC or something? RC test remember. flight. RC test flight. That's it. Yeah. And he was doing the current limiting with the the BL Heli ESCs with the um, snowcat, and it mm -hmm. just didn't really do it, much. Yeah, it didn't. It was just like yeah. You know, it 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 was just I don't know what it was based like, on. I, I told you to limit the current, and it goes command received. Yeah. I'm dead. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? Explodes. Yeah. So there's a lot of people using AM32 who are from kind of it's, it appears to be two principal camps. You've got the racers who fly hard, keep the hardware as light as possible, and beat the snot out of it and you've also got guys who are doing crawlers where they need a very smooth motor start up they don't want to spend a lot of money on those sensor motors because they cost an arm and a leg so they want smooth sinusoidal start up and they want like uh the ability to control power to the esc without burning it out so if they hit an obstacle to slowly increase the power so you can slowly shove the vehicle over it without suddenly spasming and leaping forwards so it's kind of the opposite of a quadcopter stall, where if you hit mm. something, you just want to yoink the power from that before you burn a FET. So that there's a, there's a lot of feedback that goes into this all about power control. It, it looks like it's on course to produce something that saves the ESC hardware from burning up. Which is, I think Sounds like something thing. that would have been handy when I was doing my um, very cheap electronic skateboard build, where my car yeah. ESC would go from zero to very fast mm -hmm. or just mm. stop. Which is hard to keep mm. hold of. Yeah, I think I missed that project, Curry. I have to go back and watch that. Yeah, included a trip to casualty. Good call. Oh. Yeah, fell off, didn't you? Dangerous. And the yeah. wife, the wife <laughs> banned you forever. <laughs> it was. Oh, it was. I still had reverse uh, available on it, and I think it went into reverse instead of brake immediately. <laughs> oh my word! Oh. Meaning skateboard stop. <laughs> Me keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I think something else they introduced is car mode, which means that you can do this double pull, one pull to brake and then two pull to reverse. That's, yes. a, that's another thing. Uh, this one was, if you go into neutral, then when you pull it again, it's reverse, as I found out. You have to go mm -hmm. straight from accelerate to brake. If you let it go to neutral first and then you hit brake, it goes into reverse. Yeah. Not so a lot of people it. want to reverse on a skateboard, do they? Not it was quite useful because I, I didn't know how to skateboard. So every time I sort of came off, I just used to like come back to me. Brilliant. Oh. I'll get back on. 
That was great. I thought this was a good feature until it stopped and I fell off. And then, mm. um, yeah, it wasn't so good. Much out. Well, that, that does sound a bit scary if you don't have a smooth, you know, stop or, or transition because it'll just ejecto skateboarder you. Like, you'll just, you know. Like, like I said, it was it was built on a budget. If you wanted one of those, I think they were called the DESCs, which had a very smooth uh, acceleration, especially built for skateboards, that cost more than the entire skateboard cost to build. Oh, wow. Well, exactly. Right. That means, yeah. Well, this that is, was this look, is the thing. You can get like a haircut. A- Oh my word! You can get like an iFlight stick ESC, a single ESC that does fifty-five amps, two and you can flash AM thirty-two onto that, and then you've got something that you know can drive a big stonking motor like that. Yeah. That's wild! Wow. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. Well, there's some feet. Wait, uh, Chris, so th- and this this is with no prior skateboarding experience. I'm a natural, aren't I? You can. Yeah. <laughs> it's like look at that poise. This this is That's this safer. is like I don't know how to skateboard. I'm going to sit on it. I noticed that you've got knee pads and elbow pads on, which is great because you're right next to the asphalt. It's very safe. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, full safety equipment was. Uh, oh yeah, full safety equipment. I can yeah. see your helmet there in case you get a head injury. That's perfect. Yeah, Helmets, so, wrist yeah. pads, elbow pads, D pads. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, this Jock. is skateboard electric skateboard built on a cheap. The idea was to build it for about I think it worked out about $120 or something like that, all in. You need all your money for the uh hospital bills. <laughs> Thank goodness for the free NHS. That's back when you can actually go there. Mm. I know. There go. We're heading along now. Oh, it looks like you're doing okay there, cruising along. Yeah. Well, I, feel I like never those, put it um... up to full speed because it was too frightening. Yeah. Oh, is this the fall? <laughs> Thanks, Jack. <laughs> the, um... the horror. He's down. Oh, no. <laughs> the shoe oh. came off. He got the glasses good off. Wearing, good thing you're wearing pants, at least. Or, yeah. Sorry, trousers? Is that the right term? Oh. Tra- I was wearing pants as well, but yeah, trousers <laughs> is, is the term. Yeah. Ow. So that should come with a warning. Don't worry, all those, those are called freckles. <laughs> and that's, road, that's road rash is what we call it road and rash. then he wonders why the knee op was needed I've still got a weird lump on that knee and I said is this lump supposed to be here and they're like it's fine don't worry about it really and then because last, last time I saw uh, like a rheumatologist they looked at that knee and said why is that bit sticking out? I said, that was a skateboard injury. And they're like, didn't they fix it? I said, no, they said they didn't need to fix it. <laughs> She's uh, like, that's not right. <laughs> I was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just add it to an, another knee operation later on. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm taking a bit of a skateboarding hiatus because the last time I skateboarded about a month ago, I crashed really hard and uh, it wasn't fun. It fell right on my hip. Could work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not... It's not safe, but if I built if I built like a scooter or an e-bike, that's what everyone's done. That's that's no fun at all. Yeah, you need to make the f- card um, rideable. You need to make a mm. full size as big as the Tesla. Just Tesla tape it onto a desk chair, onto like a wheelie. Sounds a bit chair. dangerous. My daughter has got this old. Um, in in the states, you'd call them like big wheels, where they've got the sort of big wheel at the front. But this is this is called the yeah. big green machine where you've got you've got these you steer it like this and you can slide out the the other two wheels so you can drift on it. And I've got do you remember when we went to that Hobby King show, Jack, and um somebody bought the that ladders thing, yeah. And I've still got that motor that Ooh, I haven't properly motor. tested, which mm. might might work with it. I keep I keep thinking about that as a project, but you know that's a nice time. big motor, you've got to do something with that. Effort. Well, I don't know if it works or not. It was it was in the this doesn't work pile, but who knows with Hobby King, what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, that's a right old unit, isn't it? It's a big one. I know we got we just it was really bizarre those Hobby King events towards the end. It was just like people just handing you stuff, and it was just like, 
okay, this is yours now. And like, okay. <laughs> well, let's see what we can do with it. I'll still with that. It's got... These things have sat there for ages. The other thing I've got is that ESC. Do you remember the ESC as well, which is just ridiculous? This is the biggest ESC you've ever seen. Imagine putting these on a quad. There you go. <laughs> what? Holy sh**. That's a massive 250 amps. It's got 200... All the capacitors on the back could kill you, what? certainly. Jeez. And these... What voltage is that? Uh, I don't know. It's got... All of it. It's already got two lots of of very thick battery cables plus this anti-spark thing. I think, yeah, it goes up to lots. It looks scary. <laughs> I'm thinking Danger. about building a, um, a a slug shocker to keep the slugs off my um Oh, yeah, we built one of those. Yeah, what well, voltage did you go up to? We used a 9-volt battery, and that was enough to put them off. They were actually fizzing when they crawled over it. We used a bunch <laughs> of the co- copper tape around, uh, got a flower pot, cut the a plastic flower pot, cut the bottom off, and then two two rings of copper tape, and then put the terminals onto those two rings of copper tape. Uh, actually taught Elle to solder doing this, and she soldered the wires onto it, and then there's like a 9-volt battery that goes onto that. And um, Yeah, it was enough to make the slugs fizz when they bridged it, so they didn't like that. But it didn't, the batteries didn't last very long, which was a problem. So are you very against slugs then? Is that <laughs> Well, if you're trying to grow peas or something in your garden and the slugs oh. just shred the entire plant before it gets a foot tall, that's kind of annoying. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. yeah they're, they're really starting to piss me off, but I'm thinking about using 240 volts. <laughs> mm. I think you might end up with some kind of RCD sort of. I think your 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 distribution board would probably go no, or consumer unit as we should call it in domestic premises. I think it would probably trip. Mm. Or that do that current. horrendous thing, which I will disclaimer. Hang on, um, let me legal advice. Any views mm. expressed by any guest in the show personal? Mm. I may not reflect the views of others. I mean the. the p- the putting glasses. Notice, don't be on fire. <laughs> Do not be be on fire. Care- mm. Yeah, Do be, be careful around busy roads. Do not take our advice. Have you mm. seen the guy who um, gets the nine volt batteries and staggers them to ridiculous voltage and does the no. massive arcs? I'm tempted <laughs> on doing that. Mm. Uh, we we tried glasses of beer and things before you ask because of the the obvious solutions and little pellets that were supposedly dry the ground up because slugs don't like to crawl over dry things. Um, nothing really worked, hence going so far as to create our own slug electrocution device, which which worked briefly, but obviously the batteries don't last forever. I'm not sure about Jack's idea of using main saltage. I suggest maybe something a bit safer, like some old lipo packs. Probably were. They'd, they'd last longer. Here on Let's Draw Now, where you can learn to kill slugs. I know yeah, they, well, they don't put 240 on it. You'll have like piles of cats yeah. and dogs around it and like horses and things as well. <laughs> Small children. Like so slugs are wet, right? Not many creatures are wet. So when they bridge, they crawl up one and then they reach the next one, then they start to get electrocuted and they just arc back and they move away. They don't die, but if they ah. try and crawl over both of them, then they experience a lot of discomfort. Sorry, is this so 300 batteries in series? Yeah. Jesus it, Christ. It's, do not this follow to... this. Do not do it. Don't even hmm. think about doing it. This, this is like guy the, the is most awkward way to make raisins from grapes or something. What's he trying to do here? I... He's got two nails in a grape and like 300 batteries, and the nail flies <laughs> out of the grape. I think, I think he had to remove a lot of the spiciness of this because I remember it being way more way more scary speaking oh. of odd videos did anyone watch the video where they they slapped a chicken to cook it <laughs> yes I, i've seen that come up in my list of to watch this but i haven't seen it's it quite interesting this is interesting um, yeah like proper plasma horribleness but you know i think it's one way of doing it <laughs> hmm crazy so things you can do when you can't go out and fly um, mm. I think we're going death. a bit weird. 
wasn't cricket FPV anodizing titanium bolts? Doesn't that? I I know I've seen like anodizing um, aluminium, but not titanium. I thought anodizing only works on aluminium because you're basically creating a much much greater surface area, right? So when you anodize aluminium, you create this corroded layer on the outside. And the corrosion has like more ridges in it. And so the extra ridges increase the surface area and that allows it to like take in dye and paint much better than naked aluminium does. Mm. I'm still very upset that you can't anodize things to be uh, the color white. This particle is too yeah. small. Yeah. I thought we would have figured something out by now. But I suppose that's what powder coating's for. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Powder coating is arguably more straightforward. Just get a spray can, move on with your life. <laughs> it was the different voltages that gave various colours. Yeah, or time. Oh, Either one. Right. I think that's how it works. I'm not so not sure. the same type of anodizing that you do with aluminium where you actually do like a dye layer afterwards, but you're actually using the voltage to change the colour. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Tailspin's cool. talking about. Uh, have you got anything else lined up, Curry? Anything else come in the door for review? Um, no. One video I'm, I'm just going to finish off maybe tomorrow is at the same time when I was flying with the Commando and that larger quad is I put the run cam thumb on a quad to test out. I've got it there. Hang on. I'll show it to you. Oh yeah, gyro flow is hot right now. I noticed there's a X Lite two that's come out. Lots of noise so, about that this week. What I did, I like to test things as they come to me, without watching other people's stuff about it. So I took one of the mounts that came in the run cam pack. Mm -hmm. I put it on a very smooth flying five inch quad, and I took it out and I flew it around, and I used the. Um, it came with like a little ND filter. I thought that's going to help. Put that on. And the footage from it is absolutely shockingly bad, basically. It's uh, it's all shaky and horrific. And so I put it through GyroFlow, and GyroFlow doesn't fix shaky, wobbly, jello vision. Um, hmm. And so it's kind of the case that, oh, you have to soft mount them and don't use that mount because that mount's rubbish, hmm. which is like... I, I, so I, wanted, I was going to do some more on it, but I thought, you know what? I don't know when I'm going to get flying again. Let's... Um, Let's put a video out because this is this is my first pass. It's like I bought this from Runcam. I tested it just as it came, and it's absolutely hopeless. Um, so it might be the fact you know you can mount it better. Um, do you remember in the olden days we all used to use? You'd get a bit of packing foam, and you're like, "Oh, this this is just the right density for popping on the mm -hmm. quad, and then putting your session on top of it, and putting a strap round just to dampen down those wobbles." That was the way to do it. So it seems like you have to go back to the old days. The problem is with that, I think, is Runcam, well, this is my opinion at least, Runcam sort of proposition this is like, oh, it's a cheap camera and it generates gyro data. So it's like, it's brilliant. I thought, oh, this would be great because people that are sort of starting out or they're not confident enough to put an expensive GoPro on that can use that. But in order to get it smooth enough, you're basically either investing a huge amount of effort in both dampening and tuning and then doing all this stuff. And that sort of takes away the beginner aspect. And it's like, so if you've, if you've done lots of flying before, you're probably okay and you can do this anyway. But if you've done lots of flying before, just shove a GoPro on it and it, it'll just be smooth out of the box. So it's kind of, don't know at the moment, but I'll do some more with it. But yeah, that's, I'm revealing. Now you won't have to watch my video. You freed yourself another. Do you think that Runcam were being a bit cheeky there because they did something that recorded gyro data, but by all standards, that image quality is atrocious. Uh, I think the image quality is fine as long as you don't move. As as it, really? if you, the best footage I've had from it is when I'm just looking at it like that, saying, "Is the light on?" After that mm -hmm. point, it's all. It's a bit like uh, I don't know if you started flying at this point, Steve, but when you were using. The 808 cams or even the Mobius and stuff like that, if you didn't have those 
really soft mounted, you'd get mm. this shake that you just couldn't take away and you couldn't smooth out by anything. It's it's reminded me of the old Is days. Is there like a lack that. of mass in the camera mount where it just needs more material to give it rigidity? The, well, the, the, I don't know if you want it rigid or you want it to dampen more, but you know, most of the modern cameras have some sort of electronic image stabilization as well as, as doing a like in the camera stabilization. So that just doesn't have anything. It doesn't have any fancy electronics. I think it's just relying on the fact that saying, look, we can generate gyro data yeah. with it and you can put it into this program. But that program cannot saying. take out these little tiny wobbles. I'm sure if you were doing this, big movements, it would be great. But if, when it's like that vibration is just constantly doing this, it, it can't touch that. That's why I was wondering if they're being a bit cheeky because they're kind of relying on, on the gyro feature where they really should have a, a decent camera to start with and then add gyro on top of it instead of saying, well, the footage is a bit crap, but if you run gyro flow, you can make it bearable. Uh, I think so. I mean, you can get good footage out of it. I talked to, after I, I tried it out and I did my sort of independent thing, I talked to uh, Andy, Andy RC about it. And um, he said he spent so long in gyro flow getting even more points that it would suggest and, and doing all sorts of experimentations. But he had, from the get-go, a fairly smooth quad because he, he already went and did the soft mounting of it and stuff. Um, and the soft mounting is like ridiculously soft, like you can sort of squidge it about all over sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, what it's what it's not, because what you want all cameras to be, essentially, is just you pop it on your quad, you plug the battery in, and it's good to go. And it's definitely not that. It's uh, and mm. you can't. You got to work for your money. Fix the problem. You, no. You're getting a fi- you're getting a fifty quid camera, but you have to put in an extra forty quid's worth of your time to make it usable. Yeah, yeah, and like the the difference is, I you know I stuck my my older GoPro Seven on that Chimera Seven and didn't do anything, and that's like butter smooth. Mm. This thing is on a smooth quad. It, I look at my DVR footage and it's like perfect, and I look at the HD footage, and it's like you know someone's got a hold of it. It's just going, oh, I'm going to kill you, all the way around, which is not fun. Yeah, we need to get away from constantly giving GoPro our money because it's clear that they yeah. owe us. I think the trouble is that GoPro have that patent on in-camera stabilization, so anybody else that does it, GoPro is going to come after them big. EIS so and OIS and are not stuff. GoPro patents. Like that's. Uh, that's available elsewhere. Well, I guess the super view yes, is but also they've painted hypersmooth. Uh, oh, the particular method right. of doing in-camera stabilization is is a patent which they they will defend rigorously. Yeah. So Insta three sixty does it aftermarket, and that's how they get around that. And Gyroflow does it aftermarket, and that's how it all yeah. works. It's the in-camera part that they've got. Mm. I've also been reading this because I you know, like to keep up to speed on the reviews, and I saw that Firefly have released a couple of products, and it looks like there's uh, there's we're starting to see cameras that used to be split cameras now being marketed as gyro flow capable. They've added the ability to record gyro data, and evidently there's either an IMU that was already there and unused, or they've added an IMU. Um, and it looks like they've produced some stuff that seems to work a, a bit better than the thumb. There's a, a Firefly split that they've put in a 3D printed case, and there's something they're calling an X Lite, which uh, is kind of an action camera size thing. It's about the size of a, a naked GoPro. And that seems okay, but the, the Runcam thumb was the first one that arrived on the scene designed for gyro flow, and it feels like is the worst, unfortunately. I think so. I tried. Yeah, um, I mean, oh, go ahead. Kurt. Sorry, I was just going to say. Caroline was mentioning the Cadex Peanut. If you've looked at some of Caroline's uh, <coughs> wing footage flying that, um, that it smooths it out to such a perfect descent. It looks like she's flying the perfect wing flight. Yeah. Even though the in-camera stuff of the DVR was kind, of, you know, well, you know where her wings are. They bubble them out yeah. in the wind. But um, again, that's that's more money, and it's. I think that's the message. You can get really good footage you just can't get it on the cheap unless so you're Cadex prepared to put Peanut so much is, effort into it is over 200 pounds and we're talking about the run cam being 50 quid the yeah. hawkeye i was looking at 
so the the split version there's a split camera in a little 3d printed box that's going for 72 dollars so about 50 quid and the slightly fancier full-blown action camera version is 150 dollars so 150 dollars versus 215 pounds on the peanut it's it's not really a fair comparison one is very much a budget version of the other it's almost a almost uh, twice the price to go for the Cadex Peanut compared to these, even the most expensive version of them. I suppose the yeah. question is, is the footage twice as good? Yeah, that's what you've got to ask, right? Yeah. It's definitely more convenient to use. The Cadex Peanut, you just press go and you don't have to worry. Whereas this, you've got to sync up your footage to the gyro data, jump for a few hoops, maybe run the, run the uh, stabilization process a couple of times to make sure the results are spot on. I guess it's just where do you want to spend the money? Would you want to? The ultimate thing is you you spend three hundred quid or more on a GoPro, and it's just perfect. Or you spend a little less on a peanut, and there's some compromises. Or you spend a bit less on a gyro flow capable camera, and you know you have to put in a bit of graft yourself, but you end up with some nice footage, perhaps. Yeah, I've seen some really good results from like the Insta three hundred and sixty Go two and the peanut as far as just in camera stabilization. It it, it, that in-camera stabilization mixed with the super crazy wide view, just, you know, mm. it's just so smooth. They do top out at lower resolutions, though. I think the Peanut's only a 1440p camera. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, they're good in low light, though. I've seen some pretty good um, low light, you know, uh, examples from it, which for such a small sensor and a small camera, it's, uh, it's pretty surprising. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that whole wide dynamic range HDR thing is a kind of a discussion of five years ago. Most of the cameras, most of them do a decent job of it. That was an area where the run cam thumb didn't impress me, though. Seeing the, the filming in typical British conditions, which is crap lighting, loads of cloud, it looked a bit... Sun just above your eye level, mm, if it's there. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Wasn't impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, surprisingly, sometimes I actually like the look or the the quality that comes out of the Run Cam Five Orange over the Session Five, with the GoPro Session really? Five. Yes, uh, the the Session has a wider field of view and super view, but I don't know. I feel like the Run Cam Five Orange handles exposure better mm. than the GoPro for some reason. But it is quite a bit newer, so it probably has a better, you know, image processor or something in it yeah. that uh, can sort of compute, uh, you know, compute those things way faster so right that run cam 5 orange also gyro flow capable but apparently it stutters like crazy if you try and record gyro data so it's uh problematic unfortunately i mean i i haven't really had any issues with stuttering like because it, it spits out the gyro data after every clip whatever on the sd card but i don't know i it just it takes a lot of tinkering to get the with, with gyro flow takes a lot of tinkering basically no matter what right so it's right yeah. Um, should we call it there? Is that all we got time for? I don't know. Really so it's Everyone's yeah. homework is to go and fly. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah. I will once I get cut open and put back together. Huh. Looks like a lot of people are saying they actually, yeah, they kind of agree that they like the footage from the Run mm. Camp 5 Orange over the session. <laughs> I almost bought that a couple of years ago, just never quite pulled the trigger on it. Yeah. Might be worth doing. But Maybe. Who knows? Um, thank you. You've been listening to Let's Drone Out. Uh, we are a show that hasn't got any adverts or any of the horrible, you know. Uh, we are supported not... by you, our wonderful Patreons. Yep. Yep. We're not, we're not anyone's slave. We're not selling you a mattress. Yeah, we're not selling you a dietary supplement. Yep, and our cooking ability is awful, and we're, we're not, not even trying to teach you anything with an online course. Yep, and we're 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 not even we're not even controlled by this all being entity that sounds like Red Matt, but <laughs> you know, rhymes with. Uh, dead tat um anyway uh thank you to all our lovely patreons yeah 
Oh, VPNs as well. Yep. We've (laughs) never recommended a VPN. Just openly, like how Theresa May would have wanted it. Shout out your Google searches as you type them out the window. I will recommend Beaver Town Bloody L Beer. It's tasty. (laughs) That's all you're going to get. I recommend water. (laughs) Water helps. Yep, thank you to all our lovely Patreons. You keep us going. Uh, you've been joined by everyone's favourite co- kitten. Goodnight. Cole Anderson. See ya. I don't know why I said your whole name, but there you go. <laughs> Stephen. Doxed, doxed. I'm doxed. No. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone. And I've been bright till I fly. Thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We love you. Thank you, lovely Patreons. Have a good night. Telemetry lost.